Hello and welcome to Collisions YYC. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm. Today on the show, I sit down with Mr. Kent Hare. If you have spent any time in Calgary over the last 15 years, you have seen Kent out there on the streets talking to people, knocking on doors, engaging in conversations, being part of the political landscape in our city since 2008. Kent took that all the way to the to the hallways of power in Ottawa as a federal representative working on the under the Trudeau government up to 2019 when, as he said it, the community decided that his work was done and that he was no longer required and he's moved on. He's since gone back, gone into private practice where he works very heavy with liaisoning with local companies and coordinating and managing relationships with government. Kent was honest. Kent was passionate. Kent was informed. He's not scared to share his opinions. I'm going to warn everybody now. I don't know if this is a PG, I don't know if this is a rated R episode, but Kent did drop a dirty eight-letter word. When asked about the future of Alberta and what we're going to do differently based on the changing landscape, specifically of our oil and gas resource sector, he said the word sales tax, folks. And I know that is almost a death, a death sentence in Alberta to say that word out loud. Kent took it one step further. He gave us rationale. He gave his beliefs behind it. He understands it's a hot topic and he understands why. But he also understands that if we're going to set ourselves up for the next 5, 10, 15, 20, or 100 years in Alberta, we're going to have to do things differently because, unfortunately or not, our world has changed. And like true Albertans, we need to adapt. Join me for high-energy, honest, candid-filled conversation with Mr. Kent Hare. Hello and welcome to Collisions YYC. I'm sitting here and I'm having, as I often do, a good old-fashioned chat with Mr. Kent Hare. How you doing, Kent? Hey, Tyler. I'm doing fabulous. It's great to be on your show. An absolute pleasure. So as I mentioned to you offline, I, I am a fan and I always love seeing you around town, engaging with the community. And so if anybody maybe doesn't, hasn't had the privilege of meeting you or certainly doesn't know you from the work, the amazing work that you've done in, in Calgary, former Liberal Party uh, MP, you, locally, you've done politics at the federal and provincial level. From you and I talking, I'm going to boldly say like an active uh, advocate for all things Calgary. Is that, a, am I, is that my overstating, Kent? <laughs> no, I Hey, I was born and re- raised here. Uh, Las Vegas has me as a 10 to 1 odds on dying here. I love <laughs> this city. This is uh, my past, my present, and my future. It's, uh, it's a great place to be. And politically, you were involved. I think we chatted. I think officially the internet says 2008, but you got involved and started running in the ramp up to 2008, winning your seat uh, in 2006. And you've been in politics right up to 2019, like as recently as like within the last year to two years. Yes, it was an extraordinary experience for me, both uh, personally and professionally, getting to know people in your community, understanding issues that are facing them and their families and try and advocate uh, both at the provincial and federal federal level. And, and the, the most important thing and the biggest kick out of it, you got to, you got to share your life with people and really uh, lean in and get to know people on, on a real personal basis and, and from all walks of life. And it was an extraordinary experience for me. And how, not to get into the details, but you've transitioned back into kind of the private private sector, but you're still, from what I understand, still very working, working alongside and with government. Oh, with, without a doubt. You know, uh, my, uh, my time in politics came to an abrupt end, as uh, the voters sort of said, Kent, you, you and the, the Liberal Party of Canada take a little bit of a break right now. <laughs> and so uh, I transitioned, and for about three months, I sort of uh, looked at what I like to do what I can continue to serve. And we started a consultancy called uh, HSC and Associates. And we are a full stop government relations firm that tries to connect people, their ideas and their passions with different levels of government. We have a saying at HSC, government happens with you, 
or without you, you might as well have it with you. So we're helping uh, uh, about 10 companies here in town and many individuals try and connect their ideas with uh, the people who can hold the pen on their file and can help uh, make their dreams a reality. And is that more uh, uh, provincially or federally or both? We help whoever comes in the door and we craft a, we try to craft a message with them to go in with a, a, a clear understanding of what they want and need out of government, what problem they're solving for government, and how then they can establish a long-term relationship. So we work with clients on whatever government level they need assistance with. Interesting. Well, let, I, let, I want to circle back on that because I am absolutely curious of like even how you see the role that government is going to play in some of the economic transformation we're dealing with here in Western Canada. Well, I would say on a large scale, but definitely this show is focusing on Western Canada, Alberta, and Calgary. So let's just start with a broad economic transformation. It's a buzzword. It gets thrown around. We have all, any of us who've been living here and are invested in this city have, have, have been affected by it in one way or another. So just curious, your own perspective. Like Obviously, when you're in politics, this started back in probably 2014, 2015, when fundamentally, you and I joked offline, the $100 oil, the guarantee of the $100 barrel of oil, all of a sudden was not a guarantee and, and literally almost overnight. So maybe just some of your perspective on what that's been like looking back and then we'll look forward. Well, in, in my view, Alberta has had a great deal of success as a result of uh, accidents of geography for us being placed at the mm-hmm. the center of the uh, almost world oil and gas industry, which effectively ran the 20th century and the first part of the the 21st century. And and this has been a great business for us. It's helped uh, people. It's helped uh, us build a a great public education system, a great public uh, healthcare system, a post-secondary system that's that's to be envied uh, around the world. And uh, right now we're seeing a a bit of a, not a bit of a, a large-scale disruption in that industry. That being said, I think we have a, it's a great industry, a base industry that we can continue to build on. I think uh, we have some great things going for us. Obviously our agri-foods, agricultural business, we have logistics, we have artificial intelligence, we have uh, healthcare. All of these things position us to say that Calgary, and I think more importantly, Alberta's Mm -hmm. uh, best days still lie ahead and we just have to uh, make it through the next uh, three or four years of continuing to automate, continuing to digitize, continue to ensure that we attract the talent to come here and to understand that this is really the best place in the world to start a business and the best place in the world to start a family. And if we keep getting that message out there, we'll be fine. To, yeah, to, to touch on that, and as a marketer by my, by my trade and by my passion, do you think we're doing a good enough job? To, and this is not a show about being negative, but it is a show about reality. Are we doing a enough job getting that message out there? Are we telling? Because I find until you spend some time here, that Calgary story is a bit of a best kept secret. That's, my, that's my, certainly my point of view. In my view, we are not telling uh, that story. Um, in, my view, in my view, we have to get past uh, the negativity that... Uh, we are currently sending out there. We have to understand that people are looking and and we have to always say that Calgary is oil and gas plus. Hmm. Calgary has a great many opportunities here and we can't focus on the negative. I think uh, to a certain extent, our our political masters aren't aren't telling uh, the, the story about what a great place Alberta is to be right now, despite a pandemic, despite 
the fact that we have a low oil and gas prices. All of these things. I think there's got to be more of a message of positivity and come here. This is where uh, hopes and dreams are made because I honestly believe that uh, with what is happening here in this city, it's a, it's a pretty good story that needs to be tell, told and it's not being told far and wide enough. No, I, I have a lot of family. I grew up back east and, you know, and even what they do know about Alberta and think they know it, I'm not saying that in, a, in an egotistical way. It's often not, I'm like, whoa, wait a second, let me talk to you about what's going on. There's stories being, certainly there's a narrative that we're not controlling that necessarily doesn't look, doesn't necessarily reflect the way you just mentioned. And that, and that, neg- that negativity is also feeding into our, our, our young people who are believing what they uh, read in the headlines, believing that uh, uh, Calgary's best days are behind them. And I think uh, that is feeding into a, uh, uh, a negative stereotype that we want to correct, rectify, and change in a big hurry to ensure that we're attracting uh, or encouraging young people to stay here, encouraging young people to, to go to our, our post-secondary institutions, which are some of the, the best, best in the world. And, and I hope that we get to that point sooner rather than later. No, and a, a coach I had years ago, he said, you know, what's your number one role as a leader? Uh, and, and I was like, oh, big question. I'm not sure. And he's like, hope. If you can instill hope that the future is better than today. And what you just, you know, what I heard there, if we've got a whole generation that doesn't have let our best days are behind us is the mindset, of course, they're not going to want to stay and want to invest and lean in and build families and businesses here. And I would agree with you, someone who's grown up outside of Alberta, one of the easiest, most friendly environments for starting to, for being an entrepreneur. Like this is an entrepreneurial environment where opportunity sometimes is a handshake away. And I don't want to, I don't want to oversimplify it by saying that. No, we have uh, great assets. And by that, we're, we're an affordable city. We have uh, office locations that uh, can be picked up at a, a song nowadays. There is great different communities uh, all, around, uh, all around town. We have a highly educated workforce. We have some of the highest numbers in terms of graduates in, the, in STEM, science, uh, uh, technology, engineering, and math. And this is just uh, a, a great place to find talented people to work. We uh, we have we have an arts community that uh, is, I would say, challenges almost any other uh, in in Canada. We got to tell those stories. Come to Calgary, you will have a great life here, and 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 people who have done that know that. And we just got to keep on telling that story. No, I absolutely agree. Um, well, let's get into nuts and bolts of it a little bit. Someone who's spent time provincial politics, federal politics, uh, sometimes. Uh, there's a story, certainly a storyline that's been the last few years, and I think COVID has changed things a little bit, but let's even go back two, three years ago, where from the rest of the country, there was a very negative, Alberta's getting left behind, Alberta's getting poorly treated by the federal government, where there's policies being put in place that are negative here. And I get it. People are out of work. People are in pain. Their families are suffering. You can't put food on the table. You're going to go to the streets with a with a plaque that says we're being mistreated. What that doesn't do, what that does do is create a very negative, very loud narrative that isn't the positive narrative you talked about. So for someone who's traveled the country probably quite extensively and spent time in both markets, I guess any insights on that disconnect from your perspective? And we got to stamp out like we need, we, we, we're not getting what we need. But at the same time, if that's the only narrative that comes out of Alberta, it's leaving a huge positive story off the table. I don't know. Thoughts on that? 
No, and, and I think there is a bit of a disconnect uh, between Alberta and the rest of the country. But frankly, that can be said about uh, anywhere. With, with the challenge of governing a, a country as wide and diverse and, frankly, big as, as it is, is, is challenging. Uh, Calgary is different than, uh, than Prince Edward Island uh, or or all of these different scenarios. So there's a disconnect sometimes, a disjointedness to governing the country. I, I can tell you, I've door knocked enough no doors uh, in the last election campaign to understand that um, they believe the policy response out of Ottawa was not appropriate. And uh, I'm not so certain what more could have been done. But when you are in power, when you're, when your community is going through angst, turmoil, uh, job losses, um, of course they uh, are looking to uh, government to provide leadership, and and it's difficult to do so. It, it's it's an easy story to say that Trudeau and Notley uh, destroyed the Alberta oil and gas industry. The realities of that, I'm not so certain, are are true. In fact, you you look worldwide. The oil and gas community is having difficulties, whether they're in Texas, whether they're in Saudi Arabia, whether they're in Norway. Okay, so these challenges are structural. These challenges are big. And I think we got to keep looking at the positive. I think with uh, uh, Trans Mountain, with uh, Line 3, we could get a, uh, a break here with uh, Keystone XL. I think we will have a great base business going forward that we can continue to build around, that we can continue to grow and develop. And I think uh, we have to continue to celebrate that. And yet we also have to understand that we have to pivot and embrace these structural changes that are happening throughout our society. Yes, holding our breath and being mad and wishing for the quote unquote good old days is not going to change anything. And I like what you said. It's easy to pick, to find a villain. And in politics, unfortunately you have as many, as many pats on the back as you probably do arrows depending on the day. Um, but the rest of the world isn't getting hundred dollars for their oil either. They're also getting the same, like, you know, from a globally dictated, we're, we're not price, we're, we're not price setters, we're price takers, but there's a lot of other countries or jurisdictions that are also to your point, didn't have our governments, but are still dealing with the same suppressed uh, sector. No, uh, if you look at ExxonMobil, they were uh, part of the Dow Jones industri Industrial Average for forever and a day. They were recently replaced by uh, Salesforce to take their place in that uh, in what uh, the financial people have built their uh, constructs around. We look at the the price of their stock, and it's uh, worth less than it was in 1997. Okay. And these things are, are, the evidence is clear that right now uh, the industry is having some headwinds, okay? We, we know that oil and gas will be with us. We'll be, it'll be a great base business for the next 50 to 75 years. But if we're going to continue to achieve, continue to excel, we have to build upon that. Our digitization, our automation. I, I, lo I love the fact our agri-foods and agriculture uh, businesses, that, that's been part of our our past, and we got a great future in that. We, there, there's so many good things happen happening here that uh, we can't concentrate on the woulda, coulda, shouldas, and the wanting to go back to before 2014. We have to keep looking ahead, and I think that that's what uh, I'm excited by. 
No, you touched on a few things that are like very tangible. There's the overall, you know, feel good, be positive, which it all starts there, but we still, we got to get down to the nuts and bolts. You mentioned Trans Mountain. You made, you mentioned line three. You did mention the south of the border option. Any, uh, considering all the recent events, I'm putting you on the spot on this question. Any perspective on uh, how a shift south of the border might affect uh, the infamous Keystone pipeline that we've been hearing about and talking about for seems like a decade? Well, in in my view, uh, the change in government in the United States will will be beneficial to not only uh, um, Canada but the world. I think having a a a president who reacts more in line to uh, what a traditional statesman would be on a daily basis provides some certainty towards what we can achieve together. And we need the United States leadership on many, many fronts. And I think for the, for, for 70 years coming out of the post-war period, we, we relied on, on trade to have increasing bonds and connections. And we understood that uh, um, being part of a, a global community meant we could rely on each other for understanding on how systems run and how we are going to build a better world uh, together. I think that, in my view, that was missing over the the last uh, number of years. I also think that uh, having a Biden presidency will allow us to coordinate more approaches that uh, will be beneficial for Alberta, per se. We'll have We'll have more North American-based policies that will be based on our climate change goals that we will have a more competitive oil and gas industry as a result because United States policy will now mimic, to more of an extent, Canadian policy, which that means we'll be playing on the same field instead of dramatically different areas where you saw um, a Trump-based presidency that wasn't as committed to climate change as a uh, as the Canadian government was. Now our policy options will be same, so we'll be we'll be competing against an, a more apples to apples jurisdiction than one that was currently in place. So I think it actually makes for a a more competitive landscape and actually will help us in the long run. But those are others will have different opinions as on they this. as they do. Well, we'll have them on the yes. show next time. For right now, yes. it's you and me. It's you and I. Guys. Yes, exactly. But in my in my view, it'll be a a net, a net positive with the uh, uh, Canada U.S. relations. It'll be a net positive, I think, for uh, trying to face head on some of the challenges facing the world. And uh, I just think for a sense of of normalcy and a sense of understanding a uh, uh, common political leadership and and what you what we've come to expect of state state of of presenting yourself in a statement statement st- statesmanly manner i was having trouble spitting i, I like the word state, i like the word statesman that really i wrote that down as you were talking that re- that resonated with me and that's i wouldn't say the version of what we've had but going forward there is a certain degree and you you said a couple things trust consistency we can rely on a certain set of behaviors uh, you know as much as i like to flip over the apple cart as much as the next guy business likes to go, okay, we understand what we're going to get here. We can now start to plan. We can now start to deal with the future in a less volatile way. It's funny. I had a conversation a few months ago with a good friend of mine. We'll, we'll get into details. Is a senior counsel for one of the large, uh, one, of, one of the big guys here in town. And I said, what do you think about a potential Biden presidency? And he goes, honestly, 
I think it's good for Canada because it levels the playing field. And he's the first one that said that to me like months ago. And you hearing you say that, he said, you know, if you look at if you look at policy and you look at approach, all of a sudden Canada and the U.S. will be on a much more even footing. He goes, in the long run, that's only better for us. And uh, so to hear you say that, I th- yeah, that resonates. Well, and I, I spoke to uh, an investment banker in the uh, in the oil and, oil and gas. Uh, space and he said exactly the same thing that having us more coordinated more policies in line will create a a, a better ability for us to uh, build upon our successes here and have uh, more trade with the US not in fear of uh, having uh, you know trade sanctions all the time or or all of that stuff that happened around our steel industry happened around our, our lumber industry and just made uh, made things uh, politically unstable. And you're always just on on edge. What's going to happen next? I think now we have a little more of a, a sense of, well, we're going to return to a, a normal way to go to go about things. Due, due process. No, that's interesting. I I, I, tend, I tend to agree with you, but you know what? We well, I reserve the right to see how it works out. <laughs> yes, exactly. I, I, I'm often wrong, but never without an opinion, Tyler. <laughs> I, I I very much appreciate I appreciate that. So let's bring it back. Let's bring it back locally. Let's talk about maybe get into your wheelhouse a little bit. Obviously, business plays. I'm a I'm a very pro business. I believe that business is a, going to be key to our way forward. But I believe the role that government plays is also going to be at the table. So, curious when you look at our province right now, and again, you can take this one and go with it wherever you like. What's working? What's what's not working from a political slash business like that co that relationship? What are you seeing out there? What can what can we do better? What are some watchouts? Hmm. Well, governments have core responsibilities, and in my view. Uh, they are to ensure that there's a sense of equality of opportunity. Whether you're born of a, a wealthy family or one that struggles, you're going to get a chance to build your life. Whether you've been uh, here 100 years or just arrived in our city, you get a chance to build your life. And there's certain things the government has to do to provide those things. And in, in the Alberta context, their uh, public education, their public health care, post-secondary supports for uh, uh, people who are struggling, retraining, different things like that, and offshoots of that, investing in infrastructure and things that are going to make us more competitive going forward. In my view on the Alberta scene, and it, this hasn't just happened under uh, Premier Kenny, so please understand that this is a, has been an issue going back for forever and a day. We don't have a, a strong fiscal structure to rely on. And by that, I mean, ever since the time I went into the Alberta legislature in 2008, this province has run a deficit. Okay, And deficits in the short run are not that much of a concern, but in the long run, they can add up. And by that mean, we have... We have, over the course of our history, been the lowest tax province by a country mile and at the same time been the highest spending province by a country mile. Okay. <laughs> that, 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 if you run that graph out, that, there, can, there can be problems on the horizon. <laughs> yeah, the, the, exactly. <laughs> so, so, yeah, it, 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 you can't run your province like a Ponzi scheme. And that, <laughs> that's, that's essentially what we have done to a certain extent. And don't get me wrong, it was glorious while it lasted, but uh, we're seeing where we are here. So I think there has to be a 
a recognition that we have to start paying for what we use in taxes uh, to ensure that our best days are, are still lying ahead. And that means both a look at the revenue generation side that no one ever wants to talk about, despite the fact if you go back to almost every finance minister Alberta has had probably since uh, uh, Lougheed, they will say it's a challenge where we've disproportionately relied on oil and gas revenues to pay the bills. And, you know, we have to talk about things like uh, a sales tax. We have to look at things that are going to give us that firm financial footing that we can continue to invest in people, continue to invest in making our economy stronger. I, I think that ultimately if you, if you solve that issue, and no politician wants to because it's a, it's a hard issue to take to the people, um, we will be much better off. And I think uh, ripping that Band-Aid off, at least at the provincial level, will, will be a, will better for us in the long run. It is a dirty word in this province, and we're probably, we're probably, and I'm okay with it, going to get a little hate mail just because you said, what is it, an eight-letter sales tax, seven-letter word? <laughs> Eight-letter word? Yeah, no, it's a, and it's, I grew up in Quebec. I've spent lots of, I have an operation in Ontario, so you look at other provinces, you know, this has been, I, I do, I joke, I'm too young to say, remember the good old days. I think I'm too young to say that. <laughs> But I, but I do agree we have to – hard sacrifices and hard decisions for a better future. And those are not fun topics that, quote-unquote, nobody really wants to talk about. And, and, and whether you can do it another way as a sales tax, I'm not, I'm not certain. Okay, but you have to look at, at ways to balance out what we, we are doing here. Because you can't you – know, the premier was not wrong when he said this is a great fiscal reckoning where we have to look at all things that's going to move our, ensure that where our best days lie ahead. You know, at the, at the city of, uh, city of Calgary level, we have a, we, 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 because of the changes to downtown and the vacancy rates, we are now exploring uh, what is the best way forward on that front, on how we continue to provide uh, um, services, how we continue to uh, support people, how we continue to uh, market ourselves, uh, because we're no longer relying on all of that, uh, all of that revenue that used to come in from having uh, that robust and vibrant uh, downtown. But that means uh, we have to look at how we're how we're paying for things, and no one likes to to look at that. And it's difficult, and it's uncomfortable. And yet, also, if you look at the uh, uh, city of Calgary, uh, sort of the the finances that that are out there, we are we are uh, a reasonably taxed city. In fact, we are the lowest of the the big cities in terms of what we are taxed on our property taxes. It, it's difficult. It's uncomfortable. No one wants to talk about it, but that's, I don't think you can uh, cut your way to prosperity. I think you have to invest in things that make your community better, invest in things that are setting you up for the long run, invest in the arts, invest in uh, people, invest in ensuring that we have the building blocks to build a, a great society. No, I, I like I th- so much of what you said. Cutting, cutting your way to cutting your way to savings, or you know, that that, that is a failed strategy. It's, it's uncomfortable. It needs to be done. But what are we doing at the same time to create the right incentives? And so, from your perspective, with the current government, and is 
are we are we putting in your opinion the right things in place to incentivize businesses to come here startups investors removing risk de-risking that you know concept to first uh, you know minimal viable are we doing the right things to set up some of our new emerging industries or even some of our old industries that are changing you mentioned ag you mentioned transportation and logistics they're innovating at such a fast rate do we have the right things in place to really make this as pro of an entrepreneurial new venture environment as I like to believe it is? Well, I think in some ways, yes. And in some ways, no. So I, I, I really think there, there needs to be uh, as much injection into infrastructure and building a, a, a better community today, if not now, when uh, things that are going to continue to, to build upon, uh, to increase productivity, to ensure that we are moving forward. I think there's a real challenge in terms of uh, uh, ensuring there's affordable housing in our community. Okay. And I think those investments need to still be made. We, we have uh, some of the, we have a need immediately for uh, 15,000 more affordable housing units in Calgary today. And uh, we don't have a, a way to, uh, well, at least in my view, I don't think we're doing enough on that front to ensure that people have the best opportunities to build their, their, lives, their lives on that front. I think uh, we missed a bit of an opportunity when we, when we uh, moved away from the tax incentivization for, uh, for innovative firms and technology firms. I think that given the, the rapid scale and uh, tectonic shifts, tectonic shifts that are occurring in uh, in that ecosphere. I think we needed to lean in on that and really look to what other communities are doing because uh, these tech firms can uh, go anywhere in the world and start up. And we have to the the, the big thing we need to do is ensure that we are uh, can, making sure that Calgary is still the best place to raise a family, the best place to start a business. And in many ways we are, in some ways we could be doing better. Some of those incentives of some of those things of like, when you think about the global trend that's happening around just the technology as not a sector, but as an underpinning of everything. And there were some decisions made that almost looked like, well, what did you do? You, do you disagree? Did you not think that was important? And again, I always know it's easy to, to sideline. It's easy to be the, the coach from the, the armchair when you're not out in the field doing calling the plays in real time, but there were some decisions made that I think it seems like our current government is maybe backtracking a little bit and going, Hey, you know what? We maybe realized that we made a misstep there, which I'm opt I'm optimistic around. Like, again, like you and I choked, I reserve the right to get new information and, and change my mind. And governments always getting, getting in, uh, in uh, shit about this is when they, when they change their minds. Okay. When they, when they say, uh, maybe our maybe we came in with this idea that isn't quite working and we have to pivot off. And I think you're right. I think some of that information is, is coming into both uh, the provincial and civic government that I think is going to be uh, uh, better off for us in the long run. And and it's great when I actually find it refreshing when politicians change their mind. They always get beat up about it. They do. They royally. But, <laughs> yeah, but but it but it means they're thinking. They're open to new ideas. They're saying, "My goodness, uh, I I've listened to the business community. I've listened to stakeholders. I've listened to people and understand what they they need and adopted themselves accordingly." And I think that's that's something that uh, I find refreshing. 
No, it's so interesting. What we like, we we prize adaptability, we prize resourcefulness, we prize the ability to change your mind. But yet, at the same time, we prize consistency. If someone changes their mind, it somehow makes me uncomfortable. So then I'm going to vilify them for it. But geez, you better be adaptable. I know it's really weird. We we kind of we really want it all, don't we? <laughs> we 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 do. It's it's like uh, here here's what we want. We uh, what I what I know about my my former life uh, as a politician. Everyone loves the services. No one loves paying the tax. And that's sort of how we are in almost everything. Eh? You know, it's either too hot out, too cold out, too rainy out, too snowy out, or it's rarely just perfect. So that that's that's sort of what we the the human condition. Yeah, yeah, yes, and all and all of our and all of our interesting nuances and biases. So hey, let's start let's start moving forward. So so you and I are in a you and I are in a boardroom. We're going to create our dashboard for Calgary. We're going to put on it things that we want to see, or in this case, you want to see. That go. You know what? I think we're moving in the right direction because I've seen more of this. I've seen less of that. How would what would be on your dashboard, Kent? Oh, uh, public transportation. I think it was a huge decision that uh, we made around. Uh, the green line and how we're going to connect the uh, uh, north of the city to the south with the uh, bridge in uh, in downtown. I think that was a, a huge decision. My hope is that in the upcoming uh, uh, provincial budget, they will uh, they will get the requisite funds to Calgary to build that that generational project. It's twenty thousand jobs as well as just speed and efficiency. I think that's as as Calgary moves forward, having a strong public public transit system is inevitable, and that the jobs that were created have already said that are going to make our economy uh, stronger in the in the short and the long run. I I also would really like to. I have I've I have concerns around urban sprawl. Okay, um, we council uh, made a decision in uh, in 2018 to uh, approve uh, 14 new communities on the edge of town. Uh, when city administration only uh, recommended eight, uh, you know, I, I think they got religion here on the last round where they didn't uh, approve the uh, 11 new communities. And I think that's important because we I, I think ultimately we have to con- continue to build up, not out. We're just spreading the peanut butter way too thin. And the if we don't do that, the the the, the cost will just be. Too much, too great on this. We'll we'll implode on ourselves. Yeah, it'll, to, it'll collapse. It'll create. It's almost like we're creating a black hole in the middle, and everything will cave in. Yeah, we have to make those hard hard decisions uh, around that, and uh, and just say no. We we need to to build up, and if people uh, decide to move elsewhere, like uh, to Cochrane or to uh, Airdrie or to Chestermere, well, I think you almost have to go well. That, that has to be their choice, but there's there's different things at play here. People understand that you know the economics of it. Uh, you're you're better off when you factor in gas and time and everything like that. Living in the in the Calgary city proper is is the the right way to do it. I like the way uh, we're moving forward on arts and culture venues. The uh, um, you know the new arts commons. I love the. Uh, the, the the BMO uh, the BMO Center and how that's going to move us forward to, to bringing conventions and everyone to town and we just got to ensure that we continue investing in these things making Calgary the the great city it is where people come here and they go wow this is a great place to be and I want to stay here because I think if they get here 
they can see that. It's it's really a wonderful place. No, there is a test drive factor here that if you haven't been here, you don't really know because <laughs> we don't necessarily have that age. We're not a Montreal, Toronto, Vancouver. We don't have those outward facing kind of personas that have been built up over years. And, you know, I travel the world and, you know, Stampede is when you say Calgary, Stampede in the mountain, bam, come up for sure. I love those, both those things, but there's a lot more in between. <laughs> oh, of, of course. And if you look at the, the diversity, I grew up here in, well, I was born here in 1969. Okay. And how we've become a, a, a diverse community. You know, uh, we were pretty, uh, 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 pretty waspy, you know, when I moved here from Montreal back in the two, even in early 2000, I was like, Oh wow, this is very different from where I've spent time before. <laughs> yes. And, and now where, where we've transitioned to be a very multicultural, very diverse city. I think this will, will, will lead us to even more success. Okay. Diversity and inclusion. That's how we're going to be successful in ensuring that we're welcoming to newcomers and making sure that we, uh, we incorporate their, their ideas and their talents into uh, the stream uh, of what we already have here. And look, I, I live in uh, downtown Calgary and the one thing when I went, when I grew up, Tyler, Tyler, the only you had two choices if you're going to go go out for uh, dinner in the old days. You or three choices: you could go to the Italian restaurant, the Chinese food restaurant, or the the steak place. <laughs> they're, they're, they're the only three. You go down in downtown Calgary, and you go on Seventeenth Avenue. You go uh, off and the, the different the different the different cultural experience we now have in this city. We are a big city that exposes you to ideas, to cultures, to foods that I never thought possible or would, I wouldn't have dreamed of when well, I grew that, up here. The last 20 years, years when I moved here, like growing up in Montreal, I get very spoiled. There is no endless amounts of unique dining and, you know, cultural and entertainment experiences. I came here and I drove downtown on a Wednesday or I forget what, and it was winter and I saw a tumbleweed and I was like, what have I done? Where am I? And I, I don't know if, I don't think I'd see that same tumbleweed in that same place today. No, but the, but, and, and those things are, are what we have to celebrate. Those <laughs> things are what we have to continue to lean on. And I think that is going to set us up for for the long run. I think uh, another challenge that uh, uh, Calgary has to continue to de deal with is, is ensure that we have a 15-minute um, city. Okay. And this was an idea where, I, where I've been looking at creating, or not creating, but looking at, at Paris. And what they're saying, although they have a, a very big city, they're trying to say you should be able to to get anywhere in that city in 15 minutes, either by bike, by walking, or by car in 15 minutes. And how we connect the nodes and make that happen is something that I think we have to understand and how we continue to transition to be able to do that, have various uh, uh, pods in our city that have uh, a transit-oriented design, but also uh, various... Uh, people working in their community so they're not having to spend an hour and a half on on the uh right. on the travels those things we have to we have to keep building upon i appreciate that 15 minute i noticed in your dashboard any any business metrics is it 
new migrations of businesses to town? Is it like tech talent moving here, like from globally? Is it, you know, maybe more venture capital money flowing into maybe more local money investing in local? Anything on the business side of our KPIs? I appreciate the the social, you know, cultural side is very robust for you. Any thoughts on what you would look for to say, wow, okay, we're actually moving down. This is going to set us up for success 20 years from now from a business perspective or jobs. Well, I would like to see uh, a continued um, post-secondary schools, people people choosing Calgary, the University of Calgary, people choosing take, people choosing uh, Mount Royal University to come and move here to take their studies. Because if they come and take their studies here, they're most likely going to stay here. And so I'd like to continue to build on those so those successes because that's one thing. I'd like to also see, I, I think Calgary Economic Development is doing some neat things around this, how they're uh, continuing to encourage, uh, get the information out and, uh, and the, the money invested by City Hall into creating startups and being able to transition people who are currently leaving the oil and gas industry to get jobs in the, the new tech, transitioning those skills. So they're doing some great things. We actually brought in, uh, I think more, uh, more small business investment in the last uh, two years than almost any other city. So we are, we are, we are, and look, it could be wrong, but, but I just reviewed something that, that said something like, like that, that we are actually making progress on many fronts. No, I, even in the last, you know, since starting, I've been 14 months doing this podcast, the sentiment from the first 10 episodes to the last 10 around the tech ecosystem, the financial side of it, uh, venture capitalist funds coming to town, setting up here, tapping into their global networks. There's a movement that even, you know, 16 months ago wasn't what it is today. So I think that there, there are some of those indicators are starting to move closer to the green, I think, on my dashboard. And, and even digitizing it uh, and automating our our current uh, businesses that that is transforming and also that information we're using to to take it beyond our borders and sell it throughout the world I see a lot of that happening in our oil and gas industry where you see that expertise and being able to take that knowledge out and about to the rest of the world that's that's one of those things we, we can't and it was interesting uh, where a, a former guest of yours, I can't remember which which one it was, but she said we we have to build on our strengths, and often sometimes we just say we're gonna we're gonna diversify, we're gonna diversify. That's what we're gonna do. But oftentimes we have great businesses, and we set up competitive advantages that we can build off of and continue to move forward. I think oil and gas industry is one. Agri foods, agriculture, obviously our AI, artificial intelligence, the great things we've had going in that people people don't know about uh, the tremendous efforts we put into that. And we're actually one of the leaders in that. Logistics, healthcare, all of these things that we already have started and established, you know, we have to continue to lean in and build upon those. And it's not necessarily just diversification for diversification's sake, although we have to be open to those ideas. Uh, we have a lot of good things going in our traditional businesses. No, I think you're right. And it was the, the guest name was L'Oreal. It's a friend of mine and she, she's my, one of my executive coaches actually. And she really leaned in on the whole concept of, from a strategic perspective, you don't just run off and do something brand new. You focus on your core competencies, you build off them. You don't get, don't get, 
don't get necessarily caught up chasing the shiny thing. And she brought that home for me in a way. And a few people have reached out about her episode because they're like, you know what? We don't celebrate enough of what's made us awesome all this time, even though diversity is still important. It's an interesting kind of paradigm. I'm glad you brought that up. But but that diversity is going to happen in some of our traditional businesses that we already have expertise in. That's going to continue to evolve and adapt uh, to what what is happening in five five G and the Internet of Things. You know, I, I went to a, a recent presentation at uh, a Mob Squad. Uh, it's uh, it's down, downtown. But if, uh, Roger Rogers was there, and they were discussing 5G and the Internet of Things and how it's going to transform businesses here in Calgary. And, and they thought Calgary was a great place to be in, be because uh, there's so many uh, businesses that we've established leadership in that we're going to be able to adapt and take that show on the road uh, with what's happening in this transition. I think you're right to call out. I have a very sweet spot for the IoT world and you know the Alberta IoT and Brenda Beckendorf and some of the group over there and the the hundreds of companies that they're involved with that you just don't even hear about. And if you want to talk about a a, a province that has sensors on everything, there's no better place to look than Alberta. Oh, <laughs> and if you, yeah, you look you look what uh, Telus is doing. Um, Telus is doing around uh, telehealth. Uh, what they're doing around digitizing ag- agriculture. This is a this is a business that we thought would be, well, maybe it maybe it's been around for a while. Maybe it's old and and stodgy. But no, they're embracing uh, the change here, and I think they're doing it. Uh, they're doing it as well as uh, as anyone out there on on modeling things that are going to be important to us as citizens here and, and being able to shape business throughout the world. No, and that's that, that, that is where the excitement starts to come. And even it's good to talk about reality, but I always think you should end on a positive note because Alberta has so our our, our best days are ahead of us. Our I think I best love days that. still lie ahead, Tyler. You can take that to the bank, and so, that sounds is, like a campaign promise. Uh, I don't know, yeah, Ken. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I I I really am super super excited about about the future here. I. I I uh, I have nephews uh, now, and and they, you know, we forget we forget about so many of the extraordinary things they they go play hockey, they go to gymnastics, they they had baseball this uh, this summer, uh, and then they go to our local public schools, and and you you look at the things they are doing and exposed to the we have these these success stories. Uh, all throughout our, our our city, with uh, with some of the things we have in public education and community events that are, that are going on and driving this next generation. So, the, these I want these kids to stay in Calgary and to build a life here. And a lot of that is how we transition through this this difficult and painful time uh, in in our community with uh, with the structural changes that are happening in a carbon constrained world. But that doesn't mean the potential is not there to, uh, to create something extraordinary. And I think we're on the cusp of that being the story that is coming out of uh, most of the people who live here, work here, play here and build our lives here. And we're going to take that forward uh, each and every day, telling that story of success that we, we have. No, I agree. We're absolutely on the right track. Hey, last question. I like to ask guests this as much as I can. Uh, if we were going to take two groups in Calgary, they can be different industries. They can be maybe political, private sector, who we don't think are are 
we, well, let's put it this way. We think that they can get more from each other if they maybe collaborate. So you and I are going to lock them in the room and say, stay in here. Do you come up with something, something interesting that you can learn from each other? What groups would you want to see more interactive with each other or more in, in involved? Uh, I would, I would love to see, uh, the discourse happen more between, uh, different tribes in our political spectrum. Okay. We, we are in a time period where we are listening to our own echo chamber. Okay. We see that on social media on what we see in our Facebook feeds, what we see, uh, on our podcast selection. We are, we are simply just Many of us are just simply listening to what we want to hear. Okay. Which, which validates our biases that we already had before we turned it on. I okay. Uh, one thing that, that I am doing right now is, is reading the other side, reading uh, what material is coming out of uh, not only the federal conservatives, but the UCP and other, um, other, conservative thinkers other points of view no i appreciate that i think that's really important Ken, and, I agree with you on that. And I, I think if more people would do that i think we would be a, have a much better time framing and understanding things and engaging in real conversations about how to move our lives forward by my, my dad's fond of the saying you know son if you're in a room where everyone thinks alike no one thinks very much <laughs> okay. And I think we are in danger of that happening here. And we have to somehow fight against that compulsion, listen to what the other side is saying, and try to have an intelligent conversation about what we truly need. And I don't think we're as different as we make it out to be if we can if we can do that, that's what I would like to see. Have time for someone you may dis disagree with and think about it, lean into it and work with it and wrestle with it and, and develop a common understanding of we don't have to agree, but we have to talk to each other. Uh, I, I really appreciate that. I'm, Ken, I'm going to give you, that was the best answer I've gotten to that question in a long time. So well done, sir. <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't agree more The the cognitive biases and the, well, let's, let's not turn this into a commentary on social media. That's a whole nother podcast episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's what I would like to see. I appreciate uh, us, that. Us talking to each other and us not just saying, uh, you, uh, you're a progressive. I'm a conservative. Never shall the Twains meet. That is wrong. And, uh, I think we can, I think we've done better at that at times. And I want to see those days come back where we listen, listen to each other. That's definitely hope for a better future. Ken, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you. I was, I was looking forward to it. You did not disappoint my friend. Um, what's the best way for people to get a hold of you? If they're just dying to learn what you're up to, they want to reach out. I know, I know you're, I know you love giving out your phone number. Just yeah, having anybody uh, call. You, can, uh, you can email me at kent.hair at gmail.com. You can phone me at uh, 403-921-2126. And uh, let's keep the dialogue going. I appreciate that, Ken. It was an absolute pleasure chatting with you. Thank you. Thank you for all the work you do in the city and thanks for taking the time today. Perfect. You take care. <laughs>